Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Sarah Pisano. Dr. Pisano is a 1994 college graduate of Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine and has been involved in animal welfare for 30 years. Her scope of experience and expertise range from shelter medicine and surgery in nonprofit shelters to management and overseeing a large public shelter. Dr. Pisano has done more than 50 shelter community assessments and proven that best practices leads to sustainable resolution. She's helped 16 municipalities around the country revise public policy, many of which then allowed for community cap programs. Dr. Pisano has been instrumental in taking municipal shelters from worst to first and discontinue euthanasia as population control. Her work around community cats has shown to be a springboard to shelter transformation. Dr. Pisano now has her own consulting company called Team Shelter USA and serves on steering committees for Best Friends and the Million Cat Challenge. Dr. Pisano, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back, Stacy. Yes. So you were on our show. You were episode 171. So if folks are interested in finding out more about Dr. Pisano's background and how she got involved in animal welfare and passionate about community cats, feel free to check out that episode at communitycatspodcast.com. And you can go in the search bar and put in 171 or Pisano and her show will come right up. But on today's show, we're very excited to get an update and a report on some of the work that she's done specifically in Kentucky. So I was wondering, maybe you could share with us a little bit about the story of the work you've done there. Yes, and what a great story it is. And I was just thinking, Stacy, today on the cover of the Harvard Business Review, it says to get the right answers, ask the right questions. And I thought, wow, what a great introduction to this story. And I want to encourage everyone to really think about the questions that they're asking, because that's the moral of this story. When we were looking at some shelters in Northern Kentucky with very low youth and live outcomes, so Kenton County was one, 22% live outcome for cats in 2015, and Campbell County was about 36%. So what we learned was the state of Kentucky is divided into districts of eight to 15 counties, and each district works together on all these social issues with people. But here's the catch. They never did anything in animal welfare. So that's lesson number one. Even if an organization, public, private, foundation, philanthropist has never done anything in animal welfare, you need to touch base with them and ask them because a lot of them are interested but just don't know what to do. So that's the first part of the story. And and so in my area, we have sort of like community development committees. So the the report that you sent to me says Northern Kentucky Area Development District. That's sort of the same kind of an organization. Is that a nonprofit or is that a municipal organization? 
And that's the, that was the question that we asked. So each of these districts, remember, this is all government, municipal, counties working together. However, yeah, the, and they're called districts. So each of the districts in Kentucky have a different name. So the one that I've worked, this, what we're talking about is the Northern Kentucky part of it, but each has a nonprofit arm. And that's significant in this story because when we were looking for an avenue for the Joni Bernard Foundation, a CAP foundation, to award a grant, they have to give to a nonprofit. So we went to the district and said, we know you accept grants. Does that mean you have a nonprofit arm? And they said, yes. So that's how this story started. And so then, but that did not cover all of the area of this project. So there's like eight counties total that you worked with. Is that correct? Yes. So there are eight counties, eight shelters, Four of the shelters handled dogs only. Four of the shelters handled dogs and cats. And what happened was the Johnny Bernard Foundation had maxed out the amount of money that they could give to the small nonprofits in that region. But yet there was this huge need. And that was our motivation for doing this spay-neuter analysis that we did in each county. Obviously, just because a shelter doesn't take cats doesn't mean there's not an overpopulation problem in that county of cats, but um, we actually like that they don't enter the shelter. So we did this analysis and said, looking at the population and the sheltering and all of those factors, here would be a way that we could allocate money to spay-neuter programs. And on the flip side, again, Joni Bernard will only give to nonprofits. And this was a way that we could actually help those cats through this district. We were also lucky, Stacy. I have to tell you, at the Northern Kentucky Development District, the person that administers this grant happens to be a cat lady, too. So, I mean, come on. How crazy is that? You know, we're like so excited to meet Megan. So we looked at the number of community cats coming into those four shelters and said, here's the potential. If we sterilize them, ear tip them, put them back where they were found, which is shelter new to return and do the TNR piece, we know several things. One, we're going to decrease shelter intake. Two, we're going to end euthanasia's population control. And so that's how this started. Again, asking questions of the right players that you wouldn't expect. You know, they worked the Northern, the NKAD for short deals with community issues with people. So nobody thought to ask them to get involved. Now, the other part of it is three of those counties had provisions in their ordinances that did not allow for community cats. So talk about a nice carrot saying, Hey, if you, you know, you, we revise these ordinances and allow these programs, you'll have a grant that can help your constituents. And this is, we want, we call it sustainable resolution. We want to end the constant flow of these cats and their offspring into the shelters. So that's how it started. I would like to take a a look at the communities that did not deal with, and I say that in air quotes here as I sit here, but didn't deal with cats 
statistically, I guess I would say, you know, in their shelters. So how did you sort of defend or create a, a good reasoning for addressing the community cat issues? What Were you using other kinds of metrics in those communities? You know, we use different formulas. There's different formulas available, the American Veterinary Medical Association, and then, you know, obviously UC Davis and University of Florida have estimates for community cats. And again, you know, we knew we couldn't fund all of those, right? Because there's tens of thousands more, but we took, we were going to ask for the first grant and what happened was a $500,000 grant. So how would that be allocated throughout the counties? Again, we know that those cats in counties where there were not, where they were not taking them into the shelter, those cats, a lot of times were going into the other four, right? So somebody would probably drive to another neighboring county that did take cats. So we looked at the population of people, the estimated population of cats, and then we sort of, you know, our first level, here's what we want to do first. We want to end the euthanasia in the shelter. So we want to make sure those community cat surgeries were covered and then TNR those high intake areas, right? So that we're, we're getting to the core of the problem, right? So we're not just on the hamster wheel of to return, we're addressing, and Boone County was already doing a brilliant job of this, um, but in the other counties, we needed to help kickstart that. So it was really just starting with priorities and then allocating. And I have to tell you, over the eight counties, after year one, we really did a, a good job of allocating appropriately. There was one county that ran out of money a little bit early and another didn't, didn't use all the money. So we just were able to move that money around within the eight counties. So I can, um, do you want to talk about the numbers? Yeah. If you would give us a little summary about some of the numbers and, you know, the impacts you've seen and also the window of time we're talking about, we're talking about just a sort of two to three year period is, you know, a lot of people ask, well, how long does it take for you to start seeing change? Oh my goodness. So the change is immediate. When you do shelter new to return, it is immediate. So you can, in Campbell County, they were over 90% the first two months. So it, it doesn't take years like people think. It's all about program design. And I just want to define shelter new to return as I teach it means a cat comes in that was quote unquote found because I don't believe cats are stray. I believe they're in and out or they might prefer to live outside. Very, very small percentage are feral, but community cat could be feral or friendly. So that type of cat coming into a shelter, instead of entering the shelter system, sterilize, ear tip them, rabies vaccinate them, booster them, put them right back where they were already cared for because they are healthy, of good body weight with a good, a good body coat. So again, that first level, our first priority is that. When we do that, holy cow, everything in the shelter changes. Inside cats that go into the shelter get adopted so quickly. Dogs benefit, right? Because the, the, the um, cats are not swarming into the shelters. So that is how we define it. Now that's old enough for 
spay neuter. So we're talking even kittens. They're being cared for, and we know that because of the healthy body weight. Celebrating the welfare of all cats. The International Cat Association is the world's largest genetic registry of pedigreed cats and the number one registry for non-pedigreed cats and kittens, known as household pets. Whether you adopt or shop, the International Cat Association is the one-stop shop for all cat lovers. The International Cat Association is more than 6,000 members in 104 different countries who all speak the language of cat lover by helping make an impact on the health and welfare of all cats. Members serve to educate and foster responsible spay-neuter awareness in local communities and are active volunteers at local animal shelters and outreach programs for schools and or senior and disabled citizens. The International Cat Association members also take active roles in numerous citizen advisory groups to foster responsible legislation regarding the health and welfare of cats. To learn more about the International Cat Association, go to www.tica.org. Do you struggle with self-care and taking time for yourself? Recharge and reconnect with your passion at the Rescue Me Retreat, a four-day, three-night getaway for animal caregivers, volunteers, and activists that focuses on managing compassion fatigue and burnout. During the retreat, you'll be surrounded by a small group of people that share your passion for helping animals. You'll be given a safe space to talk about some of the struggles that are inherent in animal welfare work, plus the opportunity to slow down, relax, and have fun. The Rescue Me Retreat will be held from June 29th through July 2nd on beautiful Lake Michigan and includes healthy meals, nature hikes, massage, group activities, and discussions, one-on-one -on -one sessions with compassion fatigue therapist Jennifer Blau, access to the beach and water activities, yoga, and more. Learn more at thecompassionfatiguepodcast.com slash rescue-me-retreat and get $100 off if you register before April 1st. You spend so much time taking care of others. You deserve this. Let's go back and talk about the numbers. What is the total population area that you were dealing with and you know, the numbers of cats that you ended up assisting in the project. Yeah. And, and, you know, Cece, when I started doing this work, I think up until 2013, I, and we always thought, okay, if a shelter takes in 3000 cats, we have to save 3000 cats every year. Right. But when you do shelter neuter return and managed intake and targeted spay neuter, the intake decreases. And so over time, you're dealing with far fewer cats. Now, when we looked at the four shelters that were taking cats in 2015, a little over five, about 5,200 cats went into those four shelters in 2015. About 3,400 were euthanized. Now, Fast forward, the, there was three months of 2016 when the grant kicked in. So I'm going to take you now to the first full year of the grant, which is 2017. Total intake went from 5,200 cats to under 4,000 cats. So that's a 27% decrease in intake. So that's great, right? But what astonishes me is that the euthanasia in that same time frame went from 3,400 cats to 400 cats. I mean, it's just astounding. And when you look at Kenton County, 
uh, the intake is has gone dramatically down and the life saving went up right so that's what that's how you get to 90% so we're not there at you know your 2000 oh my gosh we have to save 2000 cats now your save is so much less because you've you know your your the numbers coming in are not as overwhelming so really dramatic dramatic improvements. And during that period of time, how many owned cats are you subsidizing for spay neuter too? So we, I, I'm sorry, I don't have that, the chart right in front of me, but we, um, in terms of how we set up this grant, again, the community cats coming in were priority. The TNR in the field, it could be somebody says, this is my community cat or this is my inside cat. And if they were fixed income, they would also qualify. But when you look at year one of the grant in Northern Kentucky for these eight counties, 8,000 cat surgeries were done. So here's the other thing, Stacy. right? We, and listen, I was there too. We are judgmental in animal welfare. So when you look at the state of Kentucky, very low on the humane watch, you know, the, um, the uh, ranking of humane treatment for animals in the country, Kentucky is down at the bottom of the list. But, you know, again, it's just access. And these people that are fixed income, they need access. So it's not fair of us to judge them and say, oh, it'll never happen. 8,000 surgeries year one is unbelievable. I mean, we were so so encouraged by that. And I think it's a myth buster, right? To see those numbers. Oh, I agree. I mean, so many people say, oh, well, there's cultural issues, there's language barriers, there's all this other stuff. Well, you have that door open and the opportunity is there for very, very low cost or free spay neuter in your target community. It's it's a game changer, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if there are funders listening, that is key is using your donor dollars for the greatest impact. You will always win when you're doing community cats, the shelter neuter return piece, the targeted areas, but also that fixed income piece is absolutely crucial. We know that Peter Marsh's research, for example, shows that the majority of animals going into our municipal shelters are from fixed income pet owners. And when we give them access, that's why you see dramatic decreases in shelter intake. His research showed about five of those surgeries subsidized heavily under $20, but preferably free per thousand residents in the county or community that you're talking about actually is the target number to start seeing shelter intake decrease. When you have a much higher poverty rate, go up to 10 per thousand. And it really is how funders should be funding. Funders should be requiring best practices as a function of getting, getting grant money. And it would be, um, it would get us all closer to the goal of ending euthanasia's population control in our country. And we're doing such a great job. We really are making massive strides, but I have to tell you, there's a lot of shelters. I just was on the phone with 
the million cat challenge, there's a shelter in South Carolina that's still euthanizing 90% of the cats. So those are the ones we want to reach out to. And if I could do a commercial right now for the million cat challenge, um, what a remarkable and substantial, substantial progress we've made. One of the things we need to do is a lot of your listeners, Stacey, are progressive, right? And they're, they're the change makers. We need all of them to reach out to shelters who are not part of the Million Cat Challenge and help get them involved. We're not asking anybody to do anything crazy. We're just saying, join us, right? Like, so there's still shelters that need to change and need our help. And the way we do that is by building relationships with them. So please, all the listeners, reach out to shelters around you and make sure that everyone is part of the Million Cat Challenge. So we're just going to wrap up this first section with a little bit of a, a summary as to what's the status like in this area of Kentucky right now? And what do you see happening over the next two to three years there? Oh my goodness. We are so excited about the progress. When you look at overall in Northern Kentucky, again, one shelter had a 22% live outcome. One had a 36% live outcome. Three out of the four shelters taking cats are now over 90%. Kenton County ended at 81, 82%. Um, so absolutely Northern Kentucky will be no kill for cats this year. Absolutely. Hands down. So very exciting about that. Wonderful. That's fantastic news. And I would assume through this project too, there've been some partnerships and synergies and more communication amongst the county shelters. Yes. And I think one of the great things that happened is Boone County, um, Becky Ryder has been the director there for many years. She recently left and is now over Kenton County, as a matter of fact. But Becky played such an important role, Stacey, because people respect her. And so, again, she was able to say, it's okay. Let's do this together. And here's how it happened for us. You know, they were you know, very old school type of shelter. And Becky really led that team to be a a progressive, amazing, over 90% shelter and started these CAP programs. So having Becky step out as such an important mentor in that area really helped lift everybody else. And she was instrumental in supporting and encouraging everybody else to join. Hey, podcast listeners, Chris and the Technical Cat here. Dr. Sarah Pisano and Stacy were having such a good conversation, we could not contain it in one episode. So we're going to go ahead and split it into two parts. Go ahead and join us next week where Dr. Pisano will be back and she'll talk to us about the big picture in animal welfare and where she feels the focus should be in the future. In the meantime, if you want to help the show, go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast and leave us a positive review. It helps us boost our rankings and it helps us find new listeners. If you'd like to connect with us, give us some feedback or a suggestion for a show, go ahead and get in touch on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or you can always email Stacy at Stacy at communitycatspodcast.com. We'll see you next week for part two of this interview with Sarah Pisano. Thank you for listening to Community Cats Podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 